We have always existed, and we are still here. Telling the stories of those slung dead, we won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands. We live and we breathe and we keep creating, taking a stand. History is queerer than you. Hello and welcome to the Making Queer History Podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Will. And today we're going to be talking about... Anne-Marie Schwarzenbach. Yes, and I'm personally very excited. Because like um, a couple articles ago, we were talking about Miriam, when I was like, oh yeah, a lot of drama surrounded that article and the posting of that one. That's also true for this one. What, what drama surrounded this one? It's more like drama by extension. Okay. A drama that we faced before many times, or like a discussion. How about that? Let's be a little, I'll be a little more respectful. A discussion we faced before a couple of times where people wonder if we should discuss people who weren't perfect. Ah, okay. I can see that. Yeah. Rising around Anne-Marie. Yeah. So, you know, that's a very tantalizing first step. Yeah. There's, there's some things that make her imperfect. Isn't that exciting? Very. First off, do we have any news? Um, okay. So first for all our patrons, upcoming are two exciting things. One, I am going to be giving a talk at McEwen University um, about queerness and disability and the shared history those two communities have. I'm really excited. I've been working with our editor, Amazing Gem, Star Dean. Perfect. Incredible. Um, exactly. Talented. Right? Um, to make this um, presentation as good as it can be. And I'm really, really excited to present it because this is my first time presenting it, even though Dean has. And I'm just making it a little bit more specific for Canada because I think it's important to like sort of cater to your audience a little bit. So I'm really excited to give that talk. It's going to be at Grant McEwen. I'm going to try and post the details on Patreon somewhere once I have like all of them nailed down because I still need to get a couple confirmations. Um, so I'm doing that on the 9th. And then on the 5th, we're doing another queer uh, arts market. Except this time, it's Queer Makers Market, which is a much nicer name. That's going to be on the really 5th of October, I think. Yeah, and the 5th. if you're in Edmonton, come hit us up. Yeah, exactly. We're going to be running the book booth again. I'm really excited. We have so many donated books that we're going to be able to sell for super cheap. And I'm just really excited for it. If you want some bookmarks with your queer history faves, come hit us up. Exactly. They are gorgeous and I love them. They're so beautiful. Shout out to Dean again. Yeah. For just being the absolute best. Exactly. Exactly. I think we're just going to do that all episode every once in a while. Stop. Be like, okay, Dean's the best. I should definitely do that because I gave Dean the article very late to edit and post. So I'm sorry <laughs> for being that way. Um, The reason I was that way is because, like usual, my health was interesting this month. It's Good been time. a wild month. It's been a wild month. It's been pretty intense. I took my first ambulance ride. It was nice, actually. I really liked an ambulance. Like, I didn't like why I was in the ambulance, but the ambulance itself and the people who helped me were so, so sweet. So I'm fine. I'm fine. By the way, I'm fine. I'm not dying. But I just, yeah, yeah. My month has been weird. Yeah. It's been interesting. Yeah, but I'm glad you're doing okay. It's it's snowing where I am, 
and I'm real mad about it. I'm real mad because it's it's just the end of September. Like, chill, chill. That's what it's doing. It's it's chill. Mm, I don't like that. <laughs> um, what else? I know school is starting for a lot of our listeners, so happy school time. If there's anything you want us to talk about in specific relating to teachers who have screwed you over by calling Sappho straight, please do message us. I I'd hate to that. Yeah. I'm so angry every time it happens. Yeah, like, I actually, I am not like, I feel like Sappho is just such an obvious example of, oh, this is someone who is not straight. Yeah, and like, they're all like, oh yeah, but like, she had a husband. She, which she's straight. The source of that, anyways, yeah. is like, so unreliable. I'm sorry, it's so unreliable, the source. Like, why are we believing that, exactly? Like, why, why? But okay, whatever, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. But, Sappho, if you want me to come to your university and just yell at your professor for three hours, it doesn't even have to be a presentation. You just pay me to go there and just yell at your professor about Sappho. I'll do it. I'm up for it. You will have to pay me, though. I love that. I love that. I will do it for free if you're in Edmonton, though. Because I don't have to travel. That's for you. Hit us up. Hit us up. If you're in Edmonton and you want me to just run into your classroom and start screaming at your professor, hit us up. Email us. Our email is queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com. I probably won't actually do I might actually do that. Who knows? It's going to be an adventure. Um, another thing that is oncoming is our very exciting Spooky Queer Rex. And this is again for patrons because patrons get the podcast so much earlier. So the new section is really for y'all. It's for y'all. It's the Spooky Queer Rex. It's the Spooky Queer Rex. So we're going to give you a recommendation list of spooky queer reads podcasts movies stuff like that and i'm just really excited for it because i have been reading so much you really in preparation i forced myself to read a book that was mediocre in my opinion i know a lot of people love it and i'm not going to clarify which book because i don't want to like start shit but i forced myself to read a book that i didn't love which is so rare for me so i suffer for y'all i suffer but it's exciting because there will be a list. There will be a list. It was in the end. I finished it. And I was like, this is a book that someone else would really enjoy. This isn't problematic or like it won't. Well, it might hurt someone, but like not in a way that I can reasonably foresee. Mm-hmm. We're also going to have a ratings list with it that sort of tells you which level of spooky you're getting yourself in for. Because some people will are wimps. It's me. I'm, it's, a, I'm, a, I'm weak. Yeah. And I'm easily spooked. I was reading uh, a spooky book like yesterday night and something spooky happened and I just like, had to put it down. Yeah. See, I got ruined myself for spooky things because my first experience with horror movies, which was weird. Everyone, I didn't watch horror movies until I was pretty grown. And like I was, well, not full grown. I was like 15 and a lot of people were watching it younger, maybe 16. And all my, well, all my brothers, my brothers would... <laughs> be like every time I watched a horror movie I'd watch like Silence of the Lambs or something like that and they'd be like no that's not a horror movie that's a thriller and I'm like oh okay well I wasn't scared by it so like that makes sense and like my first experience was like real explicit like I couldn't deny they couldn't deny horror was this friend who basically we had a sleepover and they were a huge horror buff and they just like showed me like this weird experimental like French y'all know the French have some pretty intense horror films. Uh, horror flicks. And I was like, oh, okay, this is what a horror film is. And ever since then, I've been 
Like I, I was at the top of the roller coaster, and ever since then, I've been on a kitty roller coaster. It's just been like, <laughs> oh, okay, I'm not spooked by this, like almost at all. Okay, but I, I, it does mean that I can enjoy horror. I'm just like, how are the characters? <laughs> In the sideline, I'm like, hmm, is this realistic for their development? <laughs> so, you know, um, I, I'm the perfect person to read the spooky things. And I think Dean and Will are going to help me rate the spooky things. Yes. Because I don't think, I'm just going to be like, everything is zero. Yeah, that doesn't seem accurate. Everything is zero. Nothing spooky. You're going to be fine. And y'all are going to come to me like five months later. Like, I'm shaking. <laughs> I can't handle this. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. So yeah, I'm going to get Will and Dean's help. It will be good. It will. Um, and I'm going to be terrified for a month. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, best, be it's the best part. Yeah. That's that's definitely the best part. Um, I just finished rereading one of my favorite books for this, which is Into the Drowning Deep. This isn't a recommendation. This isn't me sneakily add, in. adding a recommendation into our recommendations. Because it's not in our recommendation section. For those who don't know... At the last sort of third of the podcast, we have Wrecking the Queers, where we read sort of your responses to the podcast, and we also recommend y'all some queer media that we've been engaging in, um, because we engage in so much. And I know that it can be, like, really hard to find some of it if you don't really know exactly where to look. And I'm not in that section. So when I say Into the Drowning Deep is one of my favorite books of all time and has a plethora of queer characters who are so enjoyable... And, like, there's a huge amount of representation of, like, the deaf community and, like, um, autistic people and just a, a wide array of people and body shapes and sizes and, like, different races. It's it's not a recommendation. Actually, I explicitly say, do not read this book. It's my <laughs> book. You're not allowed to have it. That's how you can tell it's not a snuck-in recommendation. Mm -hmm. Because I am banning all of you from reading it. You're talking to queer people. I know. Saying, That's exactly. Oh, shit. All of you are banned from reading Into the Drowning Deep. If you do it, there will be dire consequences. Okay. Um, not only will you have rebelled against authority, <laughs> but you will have stuck it to the man. <laughs> so... Keep that in mind when you're thinking about this book, that if you do pick it up, you will have, you know, rebelled and, you know, started shit. So just keep that in mind. So this is clearly isn't a recommendation because I'm not recommending you read it. I'm recommending you don't read it. Don't pick it up. You're don't just, look at it. You just don't really go on your, your audience. Don't, don't go on your phone. Pick it up. Download the Libby app. Connect it to your library card. Look and see if the book's in your library. And if it is, put it on hold or loan it immediately and start listening to it. Or if it's not, definitely don't go to any cheap book places like Book Depository or anything like that and see if it's available. And, you know, definitely don't do any of that because I deeply disapprove. And I'm authority. Yeah. So, you have to listen to me. Okay. Cool. I think this is going to work. I think this is going to work. I think everyone is going to just not read the book now. Yeah, I think that's exactly how it goes. And for all of you to know, so you don't accidentally pick it up, because some books have the same title, uh, the author's name is Mira Grant. So, just, like, if you see that, just 
make sure not to pick it up. And definitely don't tag me in a picture of you picking it up. Because then I would know you have rebelled. And that would be horrible. That'd be horrible. Like, definitely don't send me a screenshot of you loaning it from your library app or, like, a picture of it if you loan it from your library physically or a picture of your copy of the book or anything. That would be so rebellious. So disrespectful. Just incredibly. So definitely don't do that. And if you wanted to make sure you didn't do that, our social medias are <laughs> Making Queer History on Instagram, um, MQ History on Twitter, I think. And then we're also on Tumblr. We're on Pinterest, which you need to follow us on Pinterest so we can have this weird queer following on Pinterest because I really want to. Pinterest is actually, I think I've said this before, my favorite social media because they actually actually ban people who need to be banned on like every single social media uh we're also on facebook um i think that's it do we have any other social media i don't think so we also have our website if you want to like look at all of our stuff and not tag us in things and actually just like read our articles um we're making queerhistory.com please do check us out we're the podcast if you're listening to us with your little ear holes you probably know where the podcast is but maybe you're using a different app than you're always comfortable with. Maybe you downloaded a podcast app that's taking up space on your thing when, you know, you could just use Spotify because we're on Spotify now. Or, you know, Google Play, we're on that now. We're on Podbean as well. We're also on the Apple ones. But Apple users don't have rights, so I'm not going to mention them specifically. Valid. I'm still bitter because Will indoctrinated me out of Apple. And what kind of phone do you have? right now iphone be fair i got it for free you did get it free and that is 10 points to you thank you but i'm still a little bit bitter oh no that's valid yeah. i am too i don't like being an apple user you're don't not like an it. apple fanboy not also let's jump into Anne marie sarsenblatt oh yeah um before we do that really quick we might have to shorten this podcast a tiny tiny little bit and i'm so sorry for that but will has to go to class y'all y'all go to class will goes to class can't relate, but I need to make sure Will gets the glass on time. So we're going to be scooting real fast through Anna Maria's life. Yep. So we'll kick us off. She was born in 1908 in, in Zurich, in Switzerland, into like a really rich family. Her father was a silk merchant, and they also have like silk plantations, I believe, or some kind of fabric plantations her mother was some places she said she said to be a lesbian i believe she was a lesbian she was a lesbian some sources are like she was bisexual because she was married to a man but that doesn't mean anything yeah as we will see later in this episode that doesn't mean anything uh yeah yeah so she was a lesbian and she was not exactly happy in her no, but but uh, Anna Maria's father was like not approving of the mother being a lesbian, but like accepting it. He was yeah. like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. You do what you gotta do. But yeah, so she grew up in a very, very wealthy family and she studied uh, music and she knew from a young age that she wanted to be a writer. She started writing really young. She published her first book after, yeah, after she completed her studies at the University of Zurich. So right after she was 23, she published her first book. Mm -hmm. And it was popular. Mm -hmm. So she seemed to have a pretty good life. She she was a lesbian. And yeah, at one point she met Erica and Klaus Mann. Yeah, Erica and Klaus Mann and their father, Thomas Mann, I think. Yes. 
Um, the Mann family is actually someone we're going to cover entirely because that's a queer family. That's a queer anti-fascist family that I want to talk about who were like really intense during World War II and like really interesting and all of them individually interesting. So I'm like, at some point, going to just dedicate a month to writing about each one of them individually. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. But yeah. And also we've encountered them a lot of times. You know how there's a lot of other people we've encountered a lot of time, like Frida Kahlo, because she was really big of her time. Magnus Hirschfeld. People like that appear Josephine in our articles. Baker. Josephine Baker, definitely, uh, appear in our articles over and over again. And these are one of the ones, like Thomas Mann, Erica Mann, and I don't remember the... Klaus. Klaus Mann. These are people who keep appearing in our articles, and one of the only ones who've kept appearing that I haven't written articles individually about yet. So I'm really excited to eventually get to that. And the Mann family in general is really interesting. So if also you want to write about the Mann family, because you're like, oh, I recognize that name, and I'm interested in it, please do send in a submission to us because we do take guest articles just so you're aware this is a complete distraction from what we're supposed to be talking about but just so you know the man family really interesting i would really recommend doing some research into them they seem really cool but yeah so anna marie was immediately charmed by erica and slowly fell in love with her and they had a little little flame little relationship going on until erica fell in love with another woman and started moving on while anna marie stayed in love with Erica for the rest of her life. Which is a mood. Yes. Yes, it is. But however, while she was in love with Erica, she got a really close friendship with Klaus. And and Klaus was also a gay was it was a gay man. And they were just like best buds. Mm-hmm. They were just really happy to be friends. Yeah. And they did everything together. Gay lesbian really solidarity. Cute. Honestly, honestly. The one thing is though, because at this point she lived in Berlin. Mm-hmm. She dived very hard into the Berlin life, you can mm-hmm. say. And yeah, a lot of a lot of clubbing, a lot of drinking, a lot of very a lot of choices that a lot of people would do at a young age. Yeah. So a lot of her friends and previous friends were standing around saying, Oh, she's going too hard, she's going too fast. Uh she she's not going to sleep until until dawn. She's doing some drugs. So they're always it's always a, a difficult balance, I think. Yeah, especially at a young age and especially when you change environments so drastically. Because Berlin was very di- different from the place where she grew up. And yeah, it's always hard to tell because there's like a huge difference in what we see as worrying behavior now and what we know as worrying behavior now versus what they thought of worrying behavior then. Because mm-hmm. like, it's just so incredibly different that's true you know how when people talk about historical context that's one of the biggest things of historical context you have to keep in mind because the way people have viewed addiction then versus now is so wildly different it's really hard to put in per- into perspective mm-hmm. it's so real and she was also dealing with a lot of mental illnesses mm-hmm. so i think it was some form of coping mechanism or escapism or handling handling her mental illness mm-hmm. which is so not the healthiest of coping mechanisms that's true in the world and i think she was also sort of escaping from her family yes because her family like i said very rich very privileged her mother was like a proper hostess and by that we mean she was a nazi yes she was a nazi yeah and also she was just very a like up traditional nazi. and can i call her uptight yes you can call her uptight and also she had sort of this idea that like because she like more or less like buckled down and like married a straight boy and had children that that's what Anna Marie should be doing and so 
yeah, she kept doing these this lifestyle until until the Nazi takeover in 1933, and then Berlin was no longer what she knew it as. Exactly. And obviously, her mother was a Nazi supporter, and yeah, her entire family was supporting um, the the Nazis in the far right in Switzerland, mm-hmm. and they suggested that Anne Marie do the same in Berlin. Exactly, which Anne Marie was absolutely, to clarify, not here for. She refused, and also she was very close with uh, Erica and Klaus, who were both anti-fascist. And was anti-fascist. She was not there for that. She was not interested. And yeah, it definitely strained her relationship with her family. That being said, where the sort of like the conflict that I alluded to earlier arises is the fact that she didn't just immediately cut her family off. And I think that's fair. That's something that I would have done, but I can't judge someone too harshly on not doing it. And also, yeah, it's not a good decision, but not everyone in history is perfect, unfortunately. That's so real. I know that's really hard for everyone, but yeah. She, yeah, she also had like a, a friend group that it con- consisted of many, many queer people, many Jewish people. And so she was surrounded by a lot more diversity than her family ever would be. Yeah. But she still came from a place of privilege. And I don't think she ever realized the privilege that she had mm-hmm. in, in being who she was. Especially because she was also white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, she definitely participated, continued to participate in anti-fascism and worked on a publication with Klaus and Erika, I believe. It was called Die Sammlung. Also, I realize now that we forgot to... Content warning. Yes. Yeah. Content warning late in the episode. I'm going to put it in the episode notes. So hopefully you will have seen it before now. But we're giving a content warning right now. We're going to talk a little bit about suicide and mental illness. So yeah, that's where we're at. And we're just about to dive into that. So if that's not something that you feel ready to deal with today, don't. It's fine. We won't mind. I promise. You're not even rebelling against anyone. So yeah. From there, we go into, uh, yeah, with her addictions and her growing conflict between her family and also watching what was happening to Berlin, which she loved, uh, she attempted suicide for the first time. And her family reacted poorly because they were very upset at the idea that of the scandal that this would have caused. Not the fact that she would die, but, but the scandal. Yeah. So that's a big old yikes. Yeah. So her family was trash. And- 100%. Yeah, they were very upset by the idea that she would cause um, scandal, and yeah. Oof, so yeah, that's a, whole, that's a whole thing, and that's so upsetting. Yeah, that's too much. Mm-hmm. So um, she went back to one of the things she loved, and again, this comes from a huge place of privilege, especially at that time, and she started traveling again, moving with queer artists and traveling a lot with Klaus, I think. Yes, she traveled through a lot, a lot of, of Europe. And she paired with Klaus. She traveled with a photographer called Marianne Breslauer. Mm-hmm. And this is a good quote. Marianne wrote about Anne Marie. She was neither a man nor a woman, but an angel, an archangel. I mean, that's, that sounds good. That's the ideal. Yeah. That's the absolute ideal. She traveled to Persia. She traveled to, to um, the States at some point. Mm-hmm. She traveled all over. 
And she started taking photographs properly. Yes. Because photography was one of her passions, and she started taking them properly. Also, we forgot to mention, she did get married. Yes, that's true. She tried uh, to 1935. Marry, she tried to marry Klaus at first. Mm-hmm. Which mood? Then Klaus said, like, no, not, no. Cool, cool, though. In another beautiful moment of gay and lesbian solidarity, she married a gay man. And it was mostly to stop inquiries into either of her sexualities. And it also got her a passport that she really wanted. Because he was a French diplomat. Exactly. And so she got, like, a diplomat's passport or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which made traveling so, so much easier. Arranging it so that she could travel to places like Afghanistan and America and take pictures there about, like, racism and classism and stuff like that. And she, over the time of her life, she wrote about 300 articles mm-hmm. and took, like, 6,000 photographs or something. Mm-hmm. So it amassed, like, a huge amount of art. Mm-hmm. And in the end, a lot of the art is, just very frankly, she was a white woman going to places where people weren't white and she was being pretty darn condescending. Yeah. And very exotifying sometimes. And a lot of the prejudices that her family definitely encouraged were still there, even though she had access to people who would be like, no, don't do that. She still did have a lot of prejudice that she had an ability to get over, but didn't. And that's another thing that makes her a problematic hashtag not perfect person in history. Yeah. A little problematic. Exactly. And there are a lot of articles. But yeah, she managed to take a lot of pictures that documented the rise of fascism in Europe and um, the facts of racism in, in America. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's an, it's interesting to view her work in the times that it was created. So yeah, so she did a lot of traveling. She wrote a whole bunch. And she also was just like in general like a big adventurer and stuff like that. And a lot of the work that she did was like with labor unions as well, which her family was not a huge fan of as they ran textile mills. So like they were like, no, please don't do that. Um, she still stayed connected to them, even though they really harshly disapproved of her. Um, something that, like, did chafe with her friend group because they were like, these people are the worst. Yeah. Why are you still around them? But it also did give her privilege of, like, money and resources that other people just didn't have at the time. So, it's a thing. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I would do in her situation. Yeah, um, I know what I would do. <laughs> That's fair. Which makes it, like, a little harder for me to be, um, just sympathetic because i'm like that makes sense as soon no bye she put a lot of her like the money from her family into like good work yeah and she did a lot of anti-fascism work with the money that her family made available to her i know what i would do but it's interesting to think about at the very least what choices you'd make in that really interesting and difficult situation yeah but in the end she used a lot of her money to travel but would always return to her home in Switzerland. And she had a a specific home in Sils where a lot of her friends would visit her, and it was just really a refuge for her, where she would just come back every time she left and just, like, actually have some time to breathe. And it was while she was there that she got into a bicycle accident and hit her head and did die a couple weeks later. Um, when the accident happened, I'm just going to really quickly make sure I know the year. Yeah, okay. 1942. In 1942, she got into a bicycle accident, hit her head. 
And all of her friends tried to, upon her hearing the news, like, because there was about, like, a couple weeks in between hitting her head and dying, um, they tried to rush to her bedside, including her husband, who just immediately dropped everything and went to her. They were just turned away by Anna Marie's mother, who refused to let anyone in. And when Anna Marie died, she went through all of her daughter's things and burned all of the diaries they she could find which is horrifying yeah it's horrifying it was just another it was a desperate act from a woman who cared more about her reputation and her idea of what she should look like to other people than she ever ever did about her daughter Mm -hmm. luckily some of Anne marie's friends managed to save a lot of her writing Mm -hmm. so a lot of it's still available Mm -hmm. And a lot of her photographs as well. Exactly. Um, and it's actually, it's, um, there's an interesting thing. Because, like, pretty much as soon as Anne-Marie died, uh, her mother just shut down the discussion about her for a really long time. Because, you know, yeah, she was just ignored. And her family didn't want to talk about her. That she was, like, a shameful secret. Um, until her great-nephew found one of her books. And he went to his grandmother and said, I didn't know grandfather's sister was a writer. And this is a direct quote from him. Um, and she said, yes, she was a writer and a lesbian and a morphine addict. And that was the f- first huge piece of information I had about her. So yeah, it was a very interesting thing because in the artistic circles, she was being sort of like remembered and even revered and admired. But in her own family, she was just erased from their history and just as much as possible ignored, which is really sad because her whole life, she kept in contact with her family even when it hurt her in a lot of ways and then as soon as she was gone they just removed all of it yeah which is yeah that's the nature of people who are fascists yeah they scrub away what they don't like which is along with a lot of other things very harsh it's very harsh and another reason why you should never ever discuss or debate with a fascist because Mm -hmm. they not only have the ability to but they have the desire to ignore or shut down reality. And you can't debate with someone like that in good faith. So don't. Don't worry about it. There are people whose jobs it is specifically, unless you're one of those people whose jobs it is specifically to de-radicalize these people, don't worry about it. Just, just you leave, can't. Them, leave just them alone. The, or punch them. Or punch them. Those are your real two great options. Ignore them. Punch them. Yeah. That's what you got. And they'll be like, oh, you can't debate with us on, like, an ideal level because we're so smart and big-brained. It's because they are willing to lie, and I'm assuming y'all aren't. Mm-hmm. So you're going to lose the debate every time because you're not willing to lie in a debate because that's super rude and gross. But they're willing to do that because they're rude and gross. By rude and gross, I mean evil. Yes. I mean directly evil. 100%. But they're willing to do whatever they want or whatever they can to get their ideals forward. It's not lying on the value of the ideals alone. They refuse to rely on the value of the ideals alone because they know the ideals alone could not withstand any scrutiny. So they just, you know, ignore what they want to ignore. So punch fascists. Punch fascists. That's the moral of today. Punch as many fascists as you can. Have a great day. Yeah, that's that's the moral of this month's podcast. I think it's a great idea. I think it's good for your soul. I think it will definitely... What are those things that people tell you that, like, um, um, essential oils will do? I've you know those no lies idea. that people do where yes. they're like, 
if you put this essential oil all over your face, you will cure cancer? Maybe. That sounds about right. Yeah, you don't need vaccines. Just punch a Nazi. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Please do both, actually. Vaccinate yourself and punch a Nazi. Do it on the same day. It'll be great. I promise. It'll be super fun. It'll be a nice, fun... You could do it with friends, too. Radical parties. Exactly. Okay, so... Like, you know how they used to have sort of, like, those group things where, like, um, a lot of, they're like, oh, get all their friends together and they have, like, little letter writing campaigns? Here, here's what you do. You get a whole bunch of friends together, make some really neat food, maybe some nachos, maybe not nachos, I don't know, whatever you like. Um, and all go out together, get vaccinated, and then right after, if you see a Nazi, just go ahead. Have a fun time. Maybe some of your friends are pacifists. Don't make them do it. But, you know, one of you's sure not to be a pacifist, right? There surely has to be one non-pacifist in every group. There, there's gotta be. There's gotta be at least one of y'all. <laughs> so, yeah. That's my advice for the oncoming month. I'm sure it's great. I'm sure I'm not going to get any blowback for this. Zero trouble. Um, If you do want to say how great this is, and definitely not yell at me. Um, you also are allowed to yell at me if we said anything wrong, or if you think that we're wrong in any way, or you think we can just improve in like certain ways. Um, at our email, queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com. Just email us there, and maybe you'll be on Wrecking the Queers, where we talk about the things that we have failed at. Yeah. Moving or succeed to that. Moving into that now. Yes. We have, have we been thoroughly wrecked this month? We haven't been thoroughly wrecked. Do you know what they did? Someone turned the tables on us. Interesting. Someone turned the tables. They're like, oh, oh, wrecking the queers. Because you're like making a joke about getting wrecked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to recommend you. And I was like, dang. Oh. We have been wrecked. Yeah. We've been wrecked. It was a power move. Um, It was from someone on Tumblr who was basically like, hey, have you considered putting your podcast on Spotify? And we're like, no, oh my God, we can do that. And then I looked and I could do that. And I did it immediately. And I was just like, it was just like, I replied. I was like, thank you for the advice. Da, 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 da. And then they replied because, and they like made both me and Will super emotional. Yeah. Um, should I say their URL? You can look on our blog. Cause I don't want to like blast them mm-hmm. in, in case they don't want that. And they'll know it's them. They, yes. they know what they wrote. Anyways, uh, yay, I love this podcast. It's great for anyone interested in queer slash LGBT history. Making queer history focuses on queer person, many forgotten to history, and tells their story. I love how they don't overglorify anyone or any topic, but explain the whole history from an unbiased perspective. It's nice to know that you're not alone as a queer person, and that so many people like you exist, and that they always have and always will. And now it's super easily accessible on Spotify. Highly recommend. Bless. They just turned those tables on us. Yeah, right away. we have been recommended. We've been recommended. I cannot believe this. I I is don't know what to do. Do you have the fairy tale in English for like some someone a goat a goat learned to count? Do you have the fairy tale in English? No. Okay, I'll tell it another time. Okay. Um, Will's just gonna leave us at that because they do have to go to class really soon, so they're gonna recommendation. So I can't ask them to clarify that entire fairy tale for you right now. It's a very short but fairy I, tale. Okay, go, go, but go. it's about a goat, 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 goat that learns to count. Okay, and then starts counting other animals. But the animals are horrified because they don't know what counted is. Okay, so they think it's gonna hurt. Okay, and then they all get angry at the goat. 
and then they run after him. Except they all end up on. Except they they all end up on on a boat, and the boat can only take ten animals. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, ah, how do we know that we're exactly ten animals? And the kids like, I can count. And then everyone lives happily ever after. Do you know what? Turntables. Yeah. How the turntables. Mm-hmm. But yes, for my recommendation this month, I would love to talk about this book that I read. I know y'all are shocked. A book. Right? We're just out here reading books, being nerds. And I don't remember the author right now, but the book is I'll have it in the show notes. King's Queens and In-Betweens. And it was a really tender read on the queer community. And it just has a lot of really wonderful representation. There's um, a drag queen that's um, super sweet mm-hmm. and just the best mother figure I could like ever have imagined. There are a lot of queer people and some of them are out and some of them are not out and some of them are really struggling. And the main character is like slowly figuring out what it means to be queer if she is queer and how connected to the queer community can leave her old community behind. And there's also a lot of drama surrounding her family because... Turns out her family also has some history with queerness. And it's just very about finding your spot, about finding yourself, about being who you are. And also it's just so tender. You see this baby gay go to her first her first drag show, and it's just so pure. Side note, it is about middle grade young adult. I would like to say it's sort of like in that in-between line. Yeah. So if you're not interested in a middle grade and young adult book, don't pick it up. Or if you have a younger sibling person, human that you know, you can just be like, hey, there's this book. Who, you know, maybe needs it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it was a very, very tender book. Like, a, there's a lot of drama and a little bit of stress going on as well. But most of all, it's just super tender because the characters care a lot about each other. And that's adorable. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Very good book. 10 out of 10. You didn't even give it a 10 out of 10 in your rating. Didn't I? Didn't you give it like a 4 out of 5? I don't remember. <laughs> So Will really likes it, but not a 10 out of 10 words, I don't think. 8 out of 10. There you go. Okay. All right. So uh, we're going to wrap this up. I'm sorry if this episode is a little shorter than y'all are used to. Uh, Will does have to head to class, and I love y'all. I hope you're having a great day. I'm sorry. Uh, Will can actually leave right now, and I'm just going to do the outro. Will is officially leaving later than they should. Okay, so I'm going to do the outro alone. Hey, y'all. Will's gone. We can talk about all the things that you shouldn't talk about while Will is here. Um, you definitely should read Into the uh, Drowning Deep. It's so, so great. Um, what other recommendations do I have? I've already recommended Ghost Wall, Jane Steele. These are some of my favorite books of all time. I'm actually doing this entire thing where if I hit 100 reads by the end of the year, y'all aren't interested in this, but I'm saying it anyways. Will's not here to stop me. Um, where if I hit 100 reads by the end of the year, because my goal was 50, but I've surpassed it. If I hit 100 reads, then I'm going to make myself a blanket. Like, I'm going to design myself a blanket with some of the skills I learned while making queer history and working in making queer history, um, and make a blanket with sort of, like, the covers, really just only the text from the covers, on the pattern, and it's really cute, and I love it, and I've already designed it, because I'm pretty sure I'm going to hit 100. And that's going to be my reward for doing that. And yeah, uh, The Devouring Grey, Ghost Wall, Jane Steele are all on that. They're all some of my favorite books of all time. Also, the book that I most recently read that isn't queer. But it's just a great book. Especially in reaction to <laughs> Greta's speech. Because Greta's speech, y'all? 
Damn. Greta's speech. She just went for it. It was great. But anyways, Greta's speech. Uh, this was a really good book to read before hearing her speech. So I guess you can't do that unless you haven't heard it yet. But um, if you have heard it, I still recommend reading it. It's called The Swallows. It's pretty dark. So there's like a lot of content warnings that I can't remember them all here. So I would just like look it up and make sure that you're okay with that. It's not very queer. I don't think there's actually any queer characters in it. But it, it's a really sort of um, twist on a lot of our discussions around teenage girls and what to expect from them. Because I think we have really high expectations of teenage girls, especially in how we deal with them in a political sense of sort of almost relying on them to be these leaders and activists when they're teenagers. They're teenagers. They should be not doing that. Like, that being said, we should be inspiring and supporting these girls as they do this work, but it shouldn't be them alone. It We're making it them alone. And that's not how it should be. So this is a really great book that discusses that. I'm going to actually read a part of the description to you because, like, that's what actually sold me on this book because, like, hot dang this description. And also because Will's not here and I need to fill up a little bit of this time. Will's looking at me from across saying, I need to fill up a little bit of this time because this is not long enough as a podcast episode. So I'm just, I'm just rambling now, which y'all are used to, I think. So, okay, it's called The Swallows and, okay, here we go. Okay, so here's the description. Uh, when Alexandra Witt joins a faculty at Stonebridge Academy, she's hoping to put her painful past behind her. Then one of her creative writing assignments generates some disturbing responses from students. Before long, Alex is immersed in an investigation of the students atop the school's social hierarchy and their connection to something called the dark room. She soon inspires the girls who started to question the school's boys-will-be-boys attitude and incites resistance. But just as the movement is gaining momentum, Alex attracts the attention of an unknown enemy who knows a little too much about her and what brought her to Stonebridge in the first place. Meanwhile, Gemma, a defiant senior who has been plotting her attack for years, waiting for the right moment, shy loner Norman hates his role in the darkroom, but can't find the courage to fight back until he makes an unlikely alliance. And then there's Finn Ford, an English teacher with a shady reputation who keeps an eye, one eye on his literary ambitions and one on Miss Wit. As the school's secrets begin to trickle out, a boys versus girls skirmish turns to an all-out war, with the deeply personal and potentially fatal consequences for everyone involved. Uh, Lisa Lutz, which that's the author, y'all, Lisa Lett's blistering, timely tale of revenge and disruption shows us what can happen when silence wins out over decency for too long, and why the scariest threat of all might be the idea that sooner or later, girls will be girls. Like, oh, that last line sends goosebumps every time. What a great description. So I think I filled out the, 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 the missing time with that book recommendation. That's totally not a recommendation. Don't pick up the book. Um, if Will's reading or if Will's listening to this podcast, it's totally not a recommendation. But um, yeah, take care, y'all. I hope y'all are doing okay. And just be gentle with yourselves in the coming months. Because you can. You don't have to be mean to yourself all the time. Just be gentle. It's cool. Do it. Do it for me. Be rebellious. And be so kind to yourself and to the people around you who aren't Nazis. Don't be kind to Nazis. Anyways, I guess it's time to wrap this up. Thank you all so, so much for listening. And I hope you have a great day. And remember, history is queer than you think.
We have always existed and we are still here Telling the stories of those long dead We won't disappear We're taking the pen back into our own hands We live and we breathe and we keep creating Taking a stand History is queerer than you We hold our own future, we learn from the past They've tried to remove our legacy, but we are built to last So listen to the stories, cause they'll help us grow From Sappho to Frida Kahlo, there's always more to know History is queerer than you think